Welcome to Grit and Gravitas with Anne and Annie, bringing you savvy, spirited stories of success. We're excited to deliver 30 minutes of inspiration, impact, and goodness. We'll be bringing you guests and friends from around the country who have very special work and personal journeys. I'm Ann Dieter Gallagher, your co-host with Annie Carnathan, and this is Grit and Gravitas. Let's go. Welcome to the Grit and Gravitas podcast studio, Annie Carnathan. It's always a joy and even a greater joy. We have an incredible guest. I know we say that every every episode. Well, they all are, though. But it's true. <laughs> we have one of my early uh, Twitter connections who, who I'm going to call a friend. I have learned so much from you, Whitney Johnson. Uh, welcome to the virtual Pennsylvania studio from the Commonwealth of Virginia. Thank you, Anne, and I'm I'm happy to be here. And I love that you both said every guest is a great guest because that's how you <laughs> feel, right? If you're going to spend an hour with someone, you need to feel like every guest is your favorite. You do, and I think our curiosity we're we're always uh, learning and wanting to meet new people, and so we genuinely love our guests. And I I think that's evident not only in the video but the audio. Is that true? Well, yes, and you're voting with your time, yes, which is non-renewable. And look, Whitney, you could be doing a myriad of other things, and you're choosing to take, you know, this time with us. So again, heartfelt thank you, and we're excited for our listeners, but we're mostly excited for ourselves to get to do this. Yes, so. yes. So, Whitney, you have actually our last four guests have uh, written books, and you are no exception. I think actually yours is the most recently published of of our last few guests. Smart Growth, How to Grow Your People to Grow Your Company. And uh, you are what I consider a big thinker. And I know I know that's true on the global stage as well. Uh, and you've built an entire business around personal disruption. And I pulled up on Twitter before today's recording, I, I tweeted a long ago blog post that, that, uh, I shared and you posted on your site from 2013. So I, I think, uh, I am grateful for Twitter friendships and Twitter relationships. I can't believe it's been that long, but it was about disruption then. And so te- this is book number four. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. And so, uh, tell us a little bit about smart growth, the S curve, both Annie and I dove into that, but uh, we want to hear about, you know, what was your purpose in writing that? Yeah. Before I do that, I want to just make a, you, you gave me this memory around Twitter. Do you remember when we all first got on Twitter and then we would make Twitter friends yes. and then we would meet someone. <laughs> I remember someone talking about, she called it twirl, like Twitter in real life. And just the thrill it was to have felt like we had a connection with someone online and then to meet each other in person. It was so exciting. Do you remember that feeling? I totally do. And that's uh, one of the the early uh, draws for Twitter. You know, I got on in 2009. And now look where it is now. And actually, this week is a pretty big week for Twitter. But 
it was almost like going to executive education and then you would fly. I did, I have bought plane tickets and flown to meet in real life, you know, my Twitter connections and have done business with several of those. So it is, and having you come full circle with us today, we're beyond honored. You don't look a day over, you know, 2013 when we were tweeting together. So uh, kudos, but you're four books in now. So tell us a little bit about this whole disruption model. Yes. Um, all right. So uh, the book Smart Growth, How to Grow Your People to Grow Your Company, as you said, it's my fourth book, but it's the third right. book in a series. And the first book in this series was titled Disrupt Yourself. And this is a, a framework or a model that I developed after co-founding the Disruptive Innovation Fund with Clayton Christensen at the Harvard right. Business School. And we were looking for investments that we thought would upend a market um, like you know, Netflix did to Blockbuster. Mm -hmm. But the big aha for me was that disruption wasn't just about products and services and companies and countries, but it was also, and more fundamentally about the individual, that companies cannot disrupt unless people do. Right. Now, in that book, both Disrupt Yourself and my second book, Build an A-Team, I had the S-curve of learning, which is something, another aha that I had in the investing was that um, the S-curve that we were using, again, to look at how innovations will be adopted, mm -hmm. um, applying it to the individual, I thought, I think this S-curve could also help us understand how individuals change, what growth looks like. But in those first two books, uh, the S-curve was really in the background. It was like a backup singer. It was, it was yeah. running, but it wasn't front and center. But I listened to the market. People were reflecting back to me. They were telling me what was sticky for them. And I discovered that people were saying, okay, I understand disruption is the mechanism by which you grow. But what I'm right. curious about is this S-curve seems to be a way for me to think about growth. It's a, it's a map of growth. And when people kept saying, I want more of that, I realized I need to write a book about this, where the S-curve isn't the backup singer, it's the lead singer, and really to dive deep and give people this map and model of what growth looks like. Because once you understand what growth looks like, the more you can grow. No, totally. Did you find, so that I'm curious about the timing of this book. Did you find, had you planned this or did the pandemic just you know, release, um, uh, accelerate. Yes. Your, your story. And did you discover like so many people were more now willing to disrupt themselves or explore a, a totally different path? Well, of course I did not plan it. Um, sometimes <laughs> it's better to be lucky than smart. Um, and to answer your question, yes. So two things happened. Number one is that when the pandemic came, we were all disrupted. And, and so the question was, how are we going to navigate this? And right. so my work became especially timely because people realized the only way I'm going to manage through disruption is if I'm willing to disrupt myself, because that's the only thing I have control over. So that was the first piece is, okay, this accelerates the need and and sort of the, the desperation to understand right. how can we move forward. But then building on that, coming out of the pandemic, what we know from psychologists is that in order for, or after a period of severe stress, like mm -hmm. a pandemic, there is typically 
tremendous growth and and psychologists call it post-traumatic growth. And so what I have found is that as we're moving into this, I would say we're currently in the pre-post pandemic is people are ready to grow. They want to grow. They're not quite sure what that's going to look like. And so the S curve of learning provides a map, a way, a mental model to think about, okay, this is what it looks like. So I know I want to do it and this is going to help me figure out how to do it. Right. No, that's fascinating. I, one of the biggest fascinations in your book, Whitney, was how people who become successful at what they do begin to get restless and they begin to get bored. And without conjuring up Mr. Blah, that, that breaks my heart. It, it, it seems to me to answer how myself, for instance, there's always another mountain to conquer. And when you said, when you become successful and when you've arrived at that goal, um, it, it frees up headspace. There's the capability, there's the ability to sort of look up and go, okay, what now? Right. I have some space up there. I'm a little bit bored. I'm a little bit restless. And I thought of all, not, not necessarily even conceptually. I think that's really hard for people to get their arms around who aren't like that because it's, it's sort of the, well, why are you never satisfied? Why would you take that risk? Why wouldn't you just do what you've always done? You're very successful. And I thought that was the sort of moxie that described to me the why for the way I've always been. And that to me was really difficult for you to get to. Maybe not. Was it hard to describe that? Um, that's a great question, Annie. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that I can, I don't know that I can answer that question. I think what I, what I can answer is that it was nice for me to, I had this intuition around this. And I think we, sometimes we do this as we have these intuitions, but we can't quite mm-hmm. explain them. And so it was a relief for me to be able to say, oh, now I understand what's going on. So right. I've got my brain and it runs these predictive models. And at the launch point of an, of an S curve of learning, the dopamine's dropping because all my predictions are inaccurate. But what happens when I get to the top of that S curve is that my predictions are all accurate. And if everything's accurate, it's like playing, you know, a major C on the piano, like there's no tension to it. It's not interesting. So your dopamine's kind of flat. And it was really almost a relief for me to be able to say, now I understand what's going on is that my brain is saying, I need dopamine. This reminder that we are wired to grow, that growth is our default setting. And this sense of relief around that of why, like you said, you can be really good at something and feel like I can't keep doing this because my brain is saying, I need dopamine. You've got to find a way to grow. And she's brilliant (laughs) because she used the word intuition with, with psychology. That was my aha moment, Whitney. And that answered my why, because it's, it's a spectator in a sporting event or the person playing in it. I was never nervous playing in it. I'm very, very nervous watching it because I can't impact the outcome. And so I thought, well, somebody looks back, how did you risk that? I never thought of it that way. Not, not that I haven't made mistakes, not that I haven't leaped before I looked or, or would have done something different in retrospect, but I don't have any regrets. And so you add dopamine to intuition, like that's the brew. Yeah. 
That's the concoction. And it, it helped me a lot. Well, right. And Annie, what I hear, I just heard you say is the question for you was, was how could I not? Right. Cause if you didn't touche, right. You would stagnate and you would die. I would have no purpose. Right. So how could you not? I think our own little example of disruption, so our explorer stage and taking off, I won't say master yet. You know, when we embarked on this podcast, Whitney, this was Annie's brainchild, and uh, we worked together as in a client partner relationship. And we ended up having every meeting it just went long and long. And I would say, I think this. And she'd say, well, I don't really see it that way. And finally, she said, do you want to do a podcast? And I thought, oh, okay, yes. I'm not quite sure where that path leads. And I don't know what it all entails. And it was a major disruption in, in the best possible way. But we were both willing to say, you know, and there probably was dopamine involved. I was like, wow, this is something totally out of my comfort zone. And we're going to go down this path and uh, never thought that, that it wouldn't be great because we would be learning together. But I think that's our own little example while we're running companies. So the S-curve has a couple of different meanings, you know, for how you grow, either grow yourself or then lead by example for your team. You know, your entire team is watching. Annie's got a lot more employees than I do. Grow or go? Well, there. <laughs> yeah. 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 There you go. <laughs> I like it. So explain, um, Whitney, more on the S-curve. So what, what are all the phases of the S-curve? Yeah. Um, I want to just pick up on one thing you said, and yes. then I'll explain the phases. Yes. I, I just think it's, I think it's interesting, something that you said about your collaborating on this podcast, which is whenever I think about a good collaboration, in my mind's eye, I have a person on one side of the river and the other person's on the other side of the river. And you couldn't do it, Annie, you couldn't do this podcast by yourself. And Anne, you couldn't do it by yourself. The only way True. this podcast works is you somehow intellectually and emotionally have to build a bridge across the river. And it's the building of that bridge that makes a great collaboration. Do you agree with that? Totally. It's it's trust. It's it's foundational. It's fundamental. And I judge people largely by intent uh, because nobody's perfect. Uh, we all would take things back that we said or the way we said them. And that wasn't my intention. And here's, you know, what I really intended to say. And, and I think the trust of the both of us having completely different styles, but very, very aligned philosophically, fundamentally, uh, we just come in here and someone said to me, our day you just started listening. You sound like you have so much fun. And I said, it's because we do. Yeah. And, and what we have discovered has been joyous right. at this point. And it's learning, it's meeting people like yourself that we, that apart, we wouldn't be meeting or exploring. You know, Annie's brought in uh, many of the guests uh, that I had never met before. I'm bringing in people that she hadn't met and just enlarging our circle of influence. And I think that's really the beauty of social media for all, you know, of its failings. I think the um, ability... And again, when you talk about dopamine and, and learning S curves and exploring new territory, uh, I think the Twitter community for me or social media in many as, uh, aspects kept uh, relationships going when the pandemic was, you know, when you couldn't really get the dopamine effect. If you're a big thinker and you're a creator and now all of a sudden you're just, 
you know, at home in your den doing this, you miss, I know for our team, we desperately miss getting together, whatever, whether it's a water cooler conversation, the kind of energy, you know, uh, throwing ideas off of each other. It's hard to replicate in an email thread or a team's meeting, you know? So I think that's, we have a, uh, a new sense of energy created by our going down this path. But I think Whitney's S curve gave sort of a process to me that was just for me, lightning in a bottle. It just was sort of this, there you go, (laughs) sort of wacky, crazy, mad scientist blowing up things in the lab that, that I knew, but no one else could know. And I really believe you gave not just a thought process to that. You gave an intuitive process to that which I very, very much valued. Mm. Okay. So with that, I will explain the different faces of the S curve. Um, so I, I think one of the things that I, I think is why I like it. Um, you know, apart from the fact that it's somewhat my brainchild is the fact right. that it is so simple and so visual, it makes it useful. And, and you just intimated Annie it allows you to have a conversation with someone and to speak mm. the same language of growth. So so there are three major faces. There's there's the launch point, there's the sweet spot, there's the mastery. And as I mentioned in the launch point, the predictions, dopamine's dropping, and, and so it feels like growth is slow. Um, in the sweet spot, your, your dopamine's actually spiking because your predictions are increasingly accurate. So that's the steep part of the S. And then in mastery, um, the dopamine's flat. So you've got slow uh, at the launch point or the feeling of slow in the sweet spot, it's, it's, the growth is fast. And it feels fast. And then in mastery, the growth slows. So you've got slow and then fast and then slow. Now, breaking that down further, if you look at the launch point, what you have is the first stage is the explorer phase. And you've alluded to that, Anne. Mm-hmm. It's this place of, okay, here I am on this new S curve. I chose to be here or I didn't choose to be here. And now I have to decide if I want to stay here longer. So you do some exploration. You ask yourself questions like, is this in sync with my identity? Right. Is this... Is this um, do I believe that I can be successful here? Is it familiar, um, but also novel? And if you can answer yes to those questions and you say, okay, I'm not going to leave this island yet. I'm going to stay a little bit longer, see if I can collect. So it's time to move and I'm going to see if I can collect the resources that I need. Is there a product market fit, if you will, Mm -hmm. for me? Um, Can I get the resources and then move into that tipping point of going into the sweet spot? And in the sweet spot, what happens is first you're an accelerator accelerator phase. And the experience you're having here is if you look at self-determination theory, you have this, I use this acronym CAR. So you feel this sense of competence when you're in the sweet mm-hmm. spot. You feel a sense of autonomy. I have I have control over what I'm doing and a relatedness to the people you're doing it with and, and to the mission of what you're doing. So that's the feeling you have. But then the go part is the metamorph part, which is where you're starting to go from I run to I am a runner or I run numbers to I am a CFO. So your your identity is shifting and it's a metamorphosis and you complete that and you get to the top of the curve, which is the mastery phase, which also has two phases. Number one, it's the anchor. And this is the place where you can think I'm at the top of the mountain and you want to pause there. It's ephemeral, but you want to say to yourself, look at what I did. 
I, I accomplished this. And your identity transformation is complete. You are a runner. You are a CFO. Um, and, and you, you know, it's kind of sad cause you can't say that forever cause you're going to need more dopamine, but you lock in the gains, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, and then it's time for you to go to the mountaineer phase, which is the place where you say, this is either a summit, but not the summit. So you keep climbing or you find a new S curve to climb. And so you, you have that challenge. You're in seek search of more dopamine. And so you move to a new curve or find a way to push yourself back into the sweet spot. And this ability to complete this entire growth cycle from launch point to mastery is what I term a peak performer. It's not just in the sweet okay. spot. A peak performer is a person who can navigate launch points, who mm-hmm. is able to maintain momentum through the sweet spot. And when you reach mastery, and mastery might be, I wanted to learn how to play five songs on the ukulele. But when you do that and you've achieved what you meant to do, then you don't stay there. You don't stagnate. Like you were saying earlier, Annie, you go and do something new. And that is how you become a peak performer. You know how to complete the growth cycle. Where do you go when you're getting to the end of your dream? To find another dream. I know. Well, you talked a little bit about that, uh, Whitney, in... um explaining the mountaineering phase. So if, say you're climbing Everest or whatever our personal Everest may be, uh, hiring, you know, the next round of employees. And what was, what did you say at 24,000 feet, there's that danger zone. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're almost to the summit, you've crested, you're, you're on a high and that, so, and is that in the mastery phase, but phase, but there's a little danger there that, okay, you start to be complacent or you don't pay attention to things that you do know, but you know, you're, you're maybe too euphoric and, and that can be a danger zone before you get on up to your next summit or whatever that is. Yeah, absolutely. So, so for mountain climbers, it's 26,000 feet is the death zone. So you're basically so high up your brain and your body start to die. There's just not enough oxygen. And so the, the analogy is that for us as individuals, if we are on top of a curve and we stay there too long, because we're no longer learning, we're no longer forming new neural pathways, our brain literally starts to die. So learning becomes the oxygen of human growth. Love that. Love that. But you have this paradox or, or not this paradox, this dilemma, because on the one hand you look and you say, here I am. I did it. Queen of the mountain, king of the mountain. I'm going <laughs> to stay here forever. Um, and there's also this feeling of, I don't want to keep moving because that's going to be hard work if I right. have to keep moving. And yet, you know, if you're not growing, like you said, grow or go, if you're not growing, you die, you know that you have to continue. And so, um, so that that's the dilemma that we face. And, and I believe that because growth is our default setting, if we don't choose to continue to grow and we don't um, find a way to find a new curve or move back in the sweet spot, it's usually because, well, sometimes it's because we're lazy, but I think it's usually because there's some type of fear, fear of something. And so that's what holds us back. So if we're not growing, what's holding us back knowing that growth is our default setting? I see well, wheels turning well, here. I just, I think there are a lot of people against growth, if that makes sense. And you I mean, personal I, or within uh, a company? Professional, sort of like, okay. you know, why aren't you ever happy? Why aren't yeah. you ever satisfied? Why do we have to continue to innovate? Why do we have to continue to push boundaries? Why do we have to get comfortable being uncomfortable? It's, 
I, I don't know for the masses, Whitney, what that may be minority wise, but, but I know, you know, success to me is, is in sort of achieving not, not only what I, I didn't think I could do, but what I, what I didn't think I could build and grow in other people to do. Yeah. You know, and the teams, and I, and I thought when, when I'm very impulsive, I'm spontaneous, but I'm very thoughtful and considered. And when you said, you know, it does, there's not a time frame on it. It's not two days. It's not two years. It's not, I thought, wow, right. It, it happens when it's supposed to happen yet. That's counterintuitive to, I make things happen. So I just think there's people very, very adverse to change. And again, I don't understand that. Yeah. And, and so, so what I would say to you, the reason I think it's either fear or laziness or something, have you ever met any one year old on the planet that did not want to walk? <laughs> Touche. No. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Or a puppy that doesn't want to play. Right. I mean, right. There, there isn't, yeah. there isn't. And so that, what that says to me is that there gets to be all this gobbledygook, this encrustation yeah. And that if we can, um, if we can clear it out, you will find, I remember having a conversation with an executive who said to me, um, well, 90% of my people aren't on an S curve. And I said, oh no, 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 they are. Everyone's on an S curve. The question is, do they believe, do they believe that they can move along that curve or have, or have they gotten stuck somehow? And so that, that's the question that we, we, we want to solve for. They need a good power wash, Ian. Well, they need a good leader, an executive, to be demonstrating to them, like you said, to... They do uh, get gunked so, up. So I, I feel like we have two narratives going on. We, our own responsibility to disrupt ourselves and explore what that looks like. And it could be within our profession or, you know, simultaneous to our profession. But then it's imperative, those who want to lead successful companies to be able to grow and support your team, which so hence, you know, how to grow your people. If you have that, if you have that peak performer, Whitney, like, you know, making sure you yourself may be a peak performer too, but making sure they are lifted up and given all the tools and resources, you know, either to start a new line of business for your company or, or just grow making, yourself, yeah. grow your people, grow your company. That's one of the first notes I wrote down. Yeah. Right. And, and that's why, you know, it's very much as you're pointing out, it's so it's a both and it's a both and. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll have to find a way to play with that one. Yes. <laughs> but it, 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 the fundamental unit of growth is the individual. But if you think about this, so you think about a mountain, right? So you want to know where you are in your growth and you also want, you know, tools in your backpack to move up. And that's where the personal disruption comes. But the weather patterns matter. Um, if it's snowing, Good it's going to be a lot Good harder point. to summit a mountain than it is if it's if it's a sunny day. And the thing that I think for me that I, you know, if you look in the chapter seven, the ecosystem chapter is we tend to think, okay, well, is the ecosystem conducive to my growth? And and that's that's a question we want to be asking if you're trying to grow. But as a manager, as a colleague, the question I think we need to ask is, all right, I'm the keystone species in the situation. I am the person on whom other growth, on whose, uh, wait, on who, I'm the person and other people's growth is dependent on me. Okay, let's see if I, right, I can right, get that out of right. my mouth. <laughs> and so 
I become the weather pattern. I become the keystone species. And so what am I doing to help people grow? Right. But again, it's, it's, it's a both and, and, and I would flip it. If you as a manager are not helping people grow, even though you know you want to, then I would come back to there's some element of fear or there's some yeah. stuckness yeah. of somehow if I help this person grow, if I help this person get up the mountain, does that mean I won't be able to either? Right. And so it, it comes back to that piece. And if we can start to unpack that, then we can dis, dislodge that and, and, and move forward as an individual, but also as a manager. Okay, curveball. <laughs> and I'm just thinking as you're talking, have you discovered any difference in the uh, progress of the S curve with male and female? Any different propensity to disrupt or to, to uh, achieve different levels of the S curve if you're a male or a female? Yeah. So here's, here's what I would say. Um, or observational doesn't have to be you know uh, observations yeah so here's some observations and this is this is me putting together two two data points so okay we know that um, women um, are tend to feel like they need to be a hundred percent qualified to apply for a job and men right. maybe sixty or seventy percent so what does that mean that means that when you're at the top of an s curve um, at the top of an s curve a man is more willing to jump then uh, a woman, well, actually, let me reverse it. I'm more willing to hire a man than I am. No, no, sorry. Let me back up. A man's more willing to jump than a woman because a woman's going to say, well, my parachute's only 60% packed and it has to be 100% packed. And the man's like, well, my 60% packed, I'm going. And so yeah. <laughs> when you get to the top, a woman's more likely to say, I don't know, I, I, right. I, might, I might need to wait. The other thing that happens is because we judge men on potential and women on track records, then we're more likely to get a man who's further along, he's he's earlier along the S curve than a woman, and right. we're more likely to hire a woman who's a little bit more qualified, so she's going to move into the sweet spot more quickly. And so those are some things that you can think about as you, okay. you're, you're managing men versus women along the curve. Right. No, good observation. And just like that. There's oh. a minute and a half left. <laughs> okay, Whitney, yeah. So clearly she's come back like at least one, maybe two more times. <laughs> yeah, we, I just got started. I wanted to read something from your book, Whitney, that um, stood out to me uh, because we do creative work for clients. So, you know, we're public relations and, and uh, creative. So this is under uh, the thrill of the climb. And number three, create, don't compete. If you're focusing on creating rather than competing, you will always win. The best of life is not found in the rare moments of mountaintop accomplishment, but in the everyday effort of joyful learning and growth. So that's just wicked smart. I mean, that that's um, awesome. So can you, uh, do you want to share a, a few tips, Whitney, of what whether on your own disruption journey or through your fourth book, Smart Growth, um, a few business vitamins that, that you feel are tips people could apply at whatever level in their profession they are. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to give four quick tips. Um, oh, so, so for people, when you've got someone at the launch point of the S-curve, what you know is that they feel awkward and uncomfortable and gangly and unsure. 
And so what you want to think about is how do I provide these individuals with support? It could be words of encouragement. It could be training. Um, it could be feedback so that they can Good. course correct quickly. For people in the sweet spot, you want to recognize that they everything's working. And so you can very quickly ignore them because everything's working. And so important to focus on them, to say thank you, to acknowledge the good work that they're doing and continue to stretch them so they continue to grow. And then people right. in, in mastery, sometimes they'll stop working as hard because they're getting a little bit bored. Give them some grace and understand that that's what's going on and then find ways to challenge them, whether it's with you and your organization or them going to another organization in either case, you win and the organization wins. And then the fourth thing I would say, and this is is going to sound very simple, but I think it's still very important, which is when you understand this S-curve, the launch point, the sweet spot mastery, you have this mental model in your brain, it's going to help you navigate your life. It's going to help mm. you be willing to do new things. It's going to give you this map to think about what growth looks like. And so when you're afraid to do something new and you're not good at it, you can just say, this is normal. This It's not that I won't be good at it. It is normal, the experience that I'm having. And so having that S-curve as a model for growth normalizes your experience and therefore increases your, your capacity to grow. Sim simple, not easy. No, Simple, not I easy. loved all of those. And I think as we come out of the pandemic, uh, to your point of this, you know, burst of euphoria, we had the roaring 20s after the 1919, 1918 Spanish flu. So I've, I think we're ready to embrace all kinds of change and disruption. Whitney, where can our listeners find you? What Share some of your socials, uh, your website, where, where can they learn more about you? Yeah, I think that they're the easiest way since this is a podcast and I have a right. podcast is to, to look for the disrupt yourself podcast. So that that's probably the Love easiest it. way to do that. Um, you can also sign up for my newsletter, WhitneyJohnson.com forward slash newsletter. I do respond. If you if you get the newsletter and you email me, I will respond to that might take me a couple of weeks, but I do. And then, um, and then obviously you can, uh, buy the book wherever books are sold. Good, good. No, we love it. We love learning all about you. And so we generally for grit and gravitas, we have a meetup reception celebration in Hershey. So you're on our list for our next one coming up. So hopefully we can get together. <laughs> We're not far away. Virginia is not far from it's not Pennsylvania. that far away. And it's always a good weekend in Hershey, Whitney. So, so thank you so much, Whitney, for uh, sharing your wisdom and all your incredible learning. You are a thought leader, a big thinker, and we're excited to have you in our circle of influence now. Thank you, Anne. Thank you, Annie. Cheers and have a high gear day. Thanks for listening. It's our desire that these stories will bring energy, ideas, and fresh thinking that you can use today. Subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram and have a high gear day.